This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. Uh, the uh, the hibernation has ended, and we have kicked into full gear around Magic City Soccer. Um, we got a lot to talk about. I feel like I said that every episode, but it seems every episode there's even more and more to discuss. Uh, so let's get right to it. Uh, let's uh, first go to Omar Mubayad. Omar, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. I guess we got a quad pod tonight. Oh, well, huh? we got a little bit of a secret. Who's gonna? Be, in fact, we got a fourth person on the show, Drew Hausman. I will spoiler alert also and say it's a quad pod. Okay, so without further ado, quad pod time. Lee Fens in the seat. How you doing, sir? I am doing very well today because of a little fact of uh, Swansea City beating Arsenal three one. So I thought I would just come here and remind Drew of that fact. <laughs> I would. Everybody point and laugh at Drew. I, I would. Uh, <laughs> Three one against Swansea. How do you manage that? If that doesn't get rid of Van Gogh, I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> that is the uh, like the atomic bomb dropping for dropping on the cockroach. I would have more to say about it, but let's not go back any further than today to look at Premier League results related to Swansea, and let's move right on, shall we? Um, no, I'm looking <laughs> at my calendar, thinking when does United have to play Swansea? I'm gonna just have to. Not to They're that coming. Day. I will. Let, I will let everyone know. Uh, my immediate response uh, after seeing the scoreline today in our chat was, "Yeah, Swansea ain't so freaking easy, are they?" And uh, of course, I did not say freaking. Um, yeah. Saturday, March thirty-first. Right, well, you got time to, to batten down the hatches. Um, anyway, let's uh, focus on matters a little bit closer to home, and uh, let's talk about the thing that everyone is talking about: uh, the National Premier Soccer League. Um, the NPSL, this is the most recent breaking news, the NPSL granting admission to Miami FC to start uh, in their upcoming season. Uh, we had some breaking news on Magic City Soccer uh, earlier this week regarding Miami Fusion's withdrawal um, from the NPSL, but it appears to be their folding um, and how that impacts Miami United. But this is a big deal for Miami FC. Uh, let's uh, touch on this quickly, go around the horn before we move on to the story that you know, everyone in the soccer world is talking about the Miami MLS story. Um, let's discuss this uh, breaking news. And let's go to the NASL expert, Drew Hausman. Drew, what do you see in this story? I will take NPSL expert also. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty appropriate. <laughs> so, yeah, Car- Kartik kind of just released information also that uh, it's going to be a mixed squad is what he's hinting at where we'll see some return players, some guys that didn't get a lot of time uh Maybe last season, or some guys that got uh, not not as much time as they'd like to get. Uh, maybe warming them up a bit for uh, what we hope can be an NASL season. But it's good to see that they have a home and they have something to do, and we have something to watch before the uh, NASL European schedule kicks into place. Uh, also, as we kind of mentioned last week, that the Jacksonville Armada are also in that league previously with their under-23 team, but I think they're switching to the same format where they're going to mix in some of their current NASL roster to get them warmed up, to get players some more playing time. So, um, I mean, it's it's a good delay, <laughs> but uh, 
it's it's exciting to see that there will be something for these two clubs uh, prior to August. Yeah, Omar, what do you take away from this? It seems like it's going to be a Miami FC two side. It seems to be the indications. And again, Kartik uh, Krishner taking the lead on that one on Twitter. Um, it was reported earlier that Miami FC would go ahead and, and field an MPSL squad. And I think uh, as the delay came on and on from the justice system about not having clarity for NASL, I think this was the only option, especially after the USL deal did not go through. So... You know, it, it is what it is. It, it allows essentially a preseason, an actual preseason with meaningful games, somewhat sort of, and it allows Miami FC to reach into the community and get younger guys from different clubs to, you know, to now get experience with professional players. Now, how do the professional players feel about it? Uh, probably not so good. You're going to be playing against uh, talent that is far beneath you, and it's not a slight against anybody. This seems to be a reality. And it's going to be interesting to see what the heck is going to happen with NASL and whether or not it does start in August. Lee, what say you? I'm really happy about it. Um, I mean, we were we were looking at the prospect of no soccer until August, and now we've got this, you know, this 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 warm up, which is which is what it is. You know, you look at the teams in the Sunshine Conference. Um, what I heard is that the Crays are out. Storm M- Storm FC are back, so that's another local team. You have got Storm FC. Uh, Miami United, Miami FC, all together. Even Beaches is quite close. Boca, so I think it'll be a fun little, yeah, a, a fun little experience. You know, I guess in other leagues you move up and down the leagues. This is just our own little way of doing it. Um, as opposed to like what what sort of team we'll see, I reckon you might see them put out like a pretty strong defence. They always the defence always talk about being a team within a team. And then, you know, maybe give some fringe players a run out. I don't see the point in risking players like, you know, Richie, Dylan Mares. You know, I don't think we'll see Enzo turning out for this MPSL team. But, you know, why not? I don't see the downside, personally. Keep the team ticking over. Uh, Could this be a situation where we bring back guys that may have been cut previously, like a Calvin Resende, uh, if they have not signed roster? Uh, I'm sorry, if they have not signed two rosters as of this point? I don't think so. I don't think you can look back. But, I mean, um, I haven't got a squad in front of me. Um, I don't think they'll bring players back in. Um, but, you know, there's still quite a lot of players that are still registered to Miami FC. I don't know. I think it, it's going to be experimental. And we're all just, like, speculating on what it will be. But, hey, it's it, we, we get to get back out there and start cheering the team. And I think it's good to take that momentum if this NASL 3.0 does start or whatever league we end up in. Uh, I would say regarding Lee's earlier point that you might not see, uh, uh, you know, the, the heavy guns uh, used in the MPSL, I think uh, related to something that uh, Drew had retweeted. If you follow Drew on Twitter, it's Hosman LOL. Uh, he had kind of pointed out Richie Ryan commenting about two hours ago uh, on Twitter, I feel like my wife when she was pregnant waiting nine months for a baby to arrive, except I have to wait nine months for a game of soccer. Longest off season ever. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you're going to see much of Richie Ryan in the NPSL. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – so there are two conflicting thoughts I have relating to all this. The first thought is it's great. It's more soccer. The team keeps its head above water, keeps the structure together. That's a good thing. However, I will say, and, and I'm going by, uh, again, the aforementioned Kartik Krishnayer, uh, who had mentioned on Twitter that the team would be playing at its training facility – for NPSL games, um, that's going to be really unfortunate 
for people like me and for I think for a lot of us who live closer to South Dade where that team that was at FIU Stadium, which is pretty centrally located, is going to move all the way up towards the Dade-Broward line uh, for those games. Um, especially when FIU has the FIU Soccer Stadium uh, pretty much right down the street. Not pretty much, literally right down the street. That would kind of be perfect for it. Um, you would figure that there would be some sort of natural tie-in there. So I, I really do hope, you know, if they want to do a thing where you're kind of uh, roaming around, uh, that's one thing, and you want to play some games at, at, at St. Thomas or whatever the case may be, or Barry, that's fine too. But to, to really, that seems like a really uh, uprooting yourself. Uh, you know, if it's what you have to do to make it happen, so be it. But I would really prefer if, if it's not that much of a drastic change. Yeah, but we all prefer if they play at Cobb. Oh, you, you stole the of words course. out of my mouth. I think we all want Cobb. <laughs> that's option spot, one. Baby. Option one is Cobb. Option two is FIU. Option three, St. Thomas. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, figure out something. Yeah, like I, I guess I'm the only guy who wants them to play at Gibson Park, I guess. Yeah, I, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't hang my hat too much on, on what Kartik said. He gets a lot right, but I can't I can't see it being a start at us playing NPSL games at that venue. It's completely unfit for the purpose. Barry, yes, but the training ground, that no way. There's no they can't control it. It's, I think that's not going to happen. Uh, I would also accept Gibson Park. That was actually, you know, I'm not a downtowner, so that wasn't the first thing that came to mind. But I, Gibson Park, I think, would be good for two reasons. One, actually in Miami, city of Miami. And two, it's basically within spitting distance of the MSL, the, I mean, the MLS grounds. Um, yeah, it'd be funny, right? It would be pretty funny if, if Miami FC was not only the first club to actually play in Dade County, but in the city of Miami and in Overtown. That would be pretty, pretty comical. <laughs> so, um... Seems like a good enough uh, segue, I think, to move in, as I said, to, to, the, to the big news. Uh, you know, it's a, a lot of people very happy about it. Some uh, NASL holdouts a little bit frustrated, which I think we'll hear uh, some of that in a bit. But there's the big announcement, which is very similar to the previous big announcement, uh, that MLS is coming to Miami. Now, important distinction. Don Garber was at this one. And uh, the imprimatur of uh, Senor Garber is a big step here. The fact that the that MLS is actually stepping in and saying, hey, we agree that MLS is coming, that's something we haven't had in four years. Um, so that's a significant development. But there's a lot to digest. Uh, again, I will uh, self-promote here, or really Abel wrote it, So, but I, I will refer you to magiccity.soccer and point out that we had a lot of really good coverage uh, on our Twitter, uh, live, live coverage of it, as well as kind of recaps um, from Abel Aroa, who we'll hear from uh, later this week. Uh, again, sneak peek of what's to come. Um, so anyway, I'm talking too much. I'm rambling. Let's get to the guys. Omar, um, a lot to pr- process. What do you take away from this? Uh, I think there is a stark comparison between 2014 and 2018. And I think the pessimist uh, in soccer fans in South Florida may look at this and be like, wait a second, what's the difference one was an outdoor announcement, the other one's indoor. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Don Garber was at the 2014 announcement as well. I guess the only difference... He was, yeah. yeah I guess the only difference here is that at one point they were wearing blue scarves, and yesterday they were wearing black scarves. And, you know, <laughs> without having... You had certain supporter group figures uh, on the stage with them, and, la- you know, yesterday, or I guess on Monday, you had uh, them sitting somewhere else, kind of, you know, together, but but they weren't on stage. 
That, that seems to be the biggest difference. Oh, and the soccer ball they're holding because Adidas changed the way it looked. Other than that, it was pretty much the same. We, we get into a situation where the pessimist will quickly point out no team name, no colors. Um, you're telling us that you're officially granting a team. Well, 2014, I, I thought they were officially granting a team too, but I guess that wasn't the case in, you know, in hindsight. So it, it left a lot to be desired, and, and I wonder if Lee and Drew feel the same way. Yeah, it seems like in, in 2014, like directly after the announcement, everybody just kind of assumed that maybe the next 24 hours that it was an official thing. But looking back at the announcement, the <laughs> sorry, the announcement was to intend to bring a franchise to Miami, and it never got official. Um, yeah, it, it was it was. It was good having the announcement. Uh, it was kind of a, a big, well-done-up MLS production. Uh, just kind of how everything teased going into it. I wish a little more happened, you know. Even on the local news, uh, they were saying at the announcement, we'd get a team name, team colors. Other people were implying that uh, there'd be a little bit more said on the on the actual uh, kind of... Uh, ongoings of the team, where they're going to play, what their actual plan is, but... Um, they said they said what they said, and they still have time to play. So I think I said it in the last podcast. I, w- I would love to see what these guys' kind of roadmap is for the next two years, and hopefully they kind of sporadically drop information and make kind of more of these these events going on in Miami to keep fans interested. Because after that four year lull, it was kind of hard to bring everybody back into it. But it is what it is. I think it was uh, William Shakespeare who wrote Much Ado About Nothing. I think that MLS Miami have been taking a few cues upon that, haven't they? I mean, what was it? An hour and a half of really everything we've heard before. I mean, I guess I have to throw in the caveat that like, I have no problem with this team coming to town. I have no problem with what they're doing. I have no problem with Southern Legion. Yeah, I have a very... I have a big disdain for the MLS. I think it's a very damaging thing for soccer in this country. But it was just, it was, it was. What was that? There was no, there was no substance. It was all puff. It's like I, I can't understand why people are so excited about it. Nothing's changed. They're, they're going to do what they said they were going to do four years ago. Great. Um, I, I will kind of come in and, and be the contrarian, I guess, in, in so far as I'm looking at it a little bit more positively. Um, I, I think that what was interesting. This is the first time, really, since that announcement in 2014, that we've heard from ownership in any meaningful way. Now, that's not to say, hey, good job, it took you a whole, you know, a a distance between Olympiads in order to speak to people again in a candid manner besides just, like, standard announcements of, it's coming, you know, we we actually heard. And to me, the most revealing thing, and it it does give the, the, the folks who've, you know, have been sitting back with, uh, you know, incredulity at the fact that th- how long this is going on and kind of disbelief that this is going to happen, where you had Marcelo Claudio on that stage admit that 60 days ago they were folding up shop. They were quitting. Uh, and now you, you wonder maybe how much of that is trying to build a narrative about the importance of the Moss Brothers and, like, kind of the fate of the team or whatever. But I believe it. I, I believe that all this, you know... We expect an announcement next summer. We expect an announcement next year. And then those deadlines come and go. I think they knew they had really hit up against a wall. And 
to me, that was the most imp in interesting, important factor at play. That the ownership is coming out again and saying, yeah, you're right, you know, doubters and skeptics. We had quit, but we think we've got it right this time. And I do think they have it right this time. Omar and I, uh, and, you know, the, the gang here, we talked about when the Moss Brothers came on that this was going to be, the, my opinion was that this is going to get done now. Because you finally have it as the thing they mentioned at the press conference yesterday, the local connected ownership. Who knows how to, you know, move the Miami machinery along and, you know, draw whatever conclusions from that you want. I'm not alleging anything. I'm just saying that to get things done in this city, sometimes you got to play by a different set of rules than you do in Los Angeles or in Kansas City or anywhere else. Um, and wanting a soccer team isn't enough. And, and I think that that event uh, earlier this week, it was important to build political momentum. And the question is, 2014 was important to build political momentum, and it was completely and totally squandered. Uh, will this now be the opportunity to build the momentum, sustain it, or will it just be wasted? It, it, you know, the Matheson lawsuit is the thing that's hanging over everyone's head, people who are actually aware of how this is working. The Matheson lawsuit is this big thing. Will this, will this be used as a tool to kind of tamp that down and try to chase the Mathesons away? Or will this just be ignored again and will we come back in, you know, 2021 asking the same questions? I mean, I think what you, you said is absolutely correct. And to defend myself, I wasn't saying that I'm pessimistic about MLS Miami. I was saying that the pessimist has uh, a definite reason to bring out their opinion because... No, for sure, for sure. By and large, it, it was very similar and it was scary kind of to me just a little bit of how similar it was. Um, there used to be a radio jockey in South Florida... Who uh, worked for a prominent top 40 pop station And he used to state that Miami was a South Central Caribbean nation The city of Miami in and of itself was a South Central Caribbean nation And what you said is absolutely true You had guys from outside of South Florida who weren't native to it With regards to David Beckham, Marcelo Clare, and Simon Fuller That you know, even if they had residences here They don't understand some of the logistics of ways to get things done and now you have two guys, Jorge Mas and, and Jose Mas, who are entrenched in the community. Uh, and they know the channels to go through. And like you said, we're not alleging anything. But, you know, when you have somebody who's local and knows how to get access to people faster, you know, by picking up a phone, guess what? It, it makes your life a lot easier. Um, and, it, you know, it probably sped things along much quicker. So, and yes, guess what? They also come in with what, the offer for the Miami Marlins over a billion dollars? It's an infusion of cash. At the end of the day, before you say anything else, you talk about logistics or ways of reaching you know, certain levels of government, they can't, they're coming in with reportedly over $1 billion in cash that they were willing to offer for the Miami Marlins Major League Baseball franchise. That helps out a lot. Yes. Let's, let's also not forget the random Asian guy that I have never heard of before through that announcement. Sorry for, sorry for my ignorance if I didn't know who that was, but that was just so randomly plugged in because there have been so many like previous investors involved in this that have kind of come in and come out, and I kind of stopped paying attention to it after the Moss Brothers, and then they threw in the clip of that guy, and I was like, who is this? Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, anybody... he had been brought on because he owns a significant chunk of Sprint, I believe. Right. Ah, he's so he's a Marcelo Clare guy. Correct. He's yes. Marcelo Clare's partner, essentially, and he runs the tele telecommunications firm in Japan called SoftBank. 
Uh, so he's a CEO of SoftBank and he's a chairman on the Sprint Corporation. I believe SoftBank is essentially Japan's version of Sprint, but I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. Yeah, he had been brought on I mean, a few guys, months it's... ago. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so I, just to jump in, like, you know, I, I, I kind of half watched the whole thing. I was in work, but I had it on. I was interested. And that, the one thing that stood out to me was this, like, mask guy. Yeah, like he came out with this like forced fake enthusiasm and I was just like cringing my face off in my seat I couldn't quite believe it it's like really like this guy's got into soccer in the last six months and now he thinks he knows everything about it but then I saw the reaction to him afterwards and everyone was sort of lapping it up and I guess that's what this franchise and it is a franchise let's be clear about that it's not a club but it's a franchise needs to survive is it needs to tap into these people who are really just getting into soccer so maybe they have pulled kind of a masterstroke in getting these guys involved because the two demographics, and I've been saying this right, for the last couple of years, the two demographics you have to hit to make soccer work in Miami is Cubans and young African-Americans, right? Everyone makes a song and dance about all these Latin nations that are here. Don't make any difference because these people will either come or not come. They'll come and check out soccer. There's two big markets you need to crack in Miami are Cubans and African-Americans. And... You know, you look at the Heat and who supports them. You look at who people go to the Dolphins. You know, they're young African-American men love sports, but they're not that into soccer down here. You get those guys in, you're laughing. Miami-Dade County is so overwhelmingly Cuban. And Cuba has done many great things to the world, but they really have no soccer pedigree. They have, like, they have no, like, league. It's not even a national sport. Alonso. So maybe bringing in this guy who can, who can access that community... It, um, is a genius but what worries me is that Beckham's the only soccer guy involved in this thing right these mass brothers they're not soccer guys Claure he's not a soccer guy really yeah he's done a little bit of administration here and there he doesn't know how the sport in this country works Simon Fuller is like yeah he'll do a great talent show for the next big like soccer player career from England and Bex is the only guy with any real soccer pedigree on that so I think that, you know, I think this thing is going to be a success. It is going to happen and it is going to be a success. But, you know, who they're aiming it at, I'm not sure it's going to be that great an experience to go and watch this thing. I think it's going to be a little bit, like, a little bit cringy and corporate and embarrassing, judging by that presentation, because it's a little bit cringy and corporate and embarrassing. Well, I mean, if I can put it this way, then it, my retort would be this. I don't think anything that the Moss... I don't think... His presentation was forced enthusiasm. I think that's just kind of the demeanor of the man and how he carries himself, especially with the way he came off through the whole Major League Baseball, um, you know, trying to acquire the Marlins, I should say. Uh, so I don't think anything was faked or forced there. I think you're absolutely right when it comes to demographics. I think what you do need for this team to succeed is, you know, a healthy part of your ticket holder base or your supporter base to be cuban-americans and african-americans and i think that'll go a long way to sustaining the club uh just because of the numbers and the demographics of the county and the city in and of itself now that said um marcelo clare he's owned i believe for the last couple of years or the last 10 years or so he's owned the bolivian side and i think in ownership you don't necessarily need the soccer guy what you need is the funding and you need the business sense to make the right moves and let the product appreciate and leave it alone and i think that's something that you don't see um throughout professional sports in this country a lot you see owners that want to be hands-on and i think sometimes the best ownerships are the ones that put the right people in place and stay away now that said 
you know, Bex is the soccer pedigree of the ownership group, but he's probably not going to be the technical director. Uh, more than likely, they would try to bring somebody in with even better pedigree than, than Beckham and understands the coaching and, and the need of how to evaluate players. Uh, so I think that's more along the lines of everybody who's going to fill in roles at the club. With regards to the guys, I think at this point you just need funding and money because the lawsuit is still pending. Um, there's going to be enough money that's going to have to go into that battle, and then you're going to have to start finding you know, contractors and developers to start building your stadium, getting the grants all taken care of, and going from there. So you know, now that the money's in place, and I think it's important to realize that Jorge and Jose Massa are, are, are essentially bankrolling the entire project, uh, or so it seems. You know, now the money's in place. Now you can start putting the pieces together because uh, you have the outside of the puzzle. You know, you've got the border of the puzzle. Now it's time to start putting the pieces in the middle. It just worries me though that, like, is it, are people really thinking this through on the field? Because already they're saying, "Oh, we're going to play for a year at other venues while you know we wait for the stadium to be finished." But like for me, like this is like a no. It's a huge no. Like. Do it right. Do it properly. Move into the stadium and start playing that stadium in day one. You wait. You know, wait what eight years? Wait an extra year. No one wants to go and watch like this team at like the Hard Rock Stadium. Like no, Marlins Park. Just like no, no, no. I can't understand why these people can't see that sort of thing. And I'm wondering if Bex is standing up enough for that sort of thing. It's like, come on, guys, let's build the soccer stadium and start playing on grass on the soccer field. You know. And so I'm hoping that Bex, Bex can get that kind of input in. Because you need both sides. These guys have got the business side, the finance side locked down. I still have reservations about the soccer side. I, I want to jump in about the idea of the uh, traveling sideshow of rotating venues. Um, I heard the idea at first, and I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. And the more I thought about it, the more I hate it. Um, <laughs> the, the whole thing, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because two words popped into my mind, Miami Fusion, where the, the, the Miami right, Fusion exactly. of Major League Soccer didn't really ever have a home. They played at Lockhart, but they weren't supposed to play at Lockhart. They were supposed to play at the Orange Bowl, but they couldn't work out a deal with the county. So they started at Lockhart, and then by the last season, when Ken Horowitz's pockets were finally, you know, the moths were flying out because they were empty, they got back into the Orange Bowl, and there was some success, but no one really knew where they were going to be. And it's just instability. The last thing you need if you're Miami MLS 2020 is drawing comparisons to the Miami Fusion, unless you're talking about the quality of the 2001 team. That's it. That's the only comparison you ever want is that. And so when I, when I heard that idea, I will tell you this, because I heard it mentioned on Twitter, and I think I was – it might have been Ian Hester, Chris Whittingham who mentioned it, who I love. I love following them. They're both good guys. But if that team's – Team plays one league game in Palm Beach County at FAU Stadium, I swear I will not go. It is not acceptable for a Miami team to play a league game in Palm Beach County. It's not even Broward County. I would potentially accept Broward, but I, it, it can't be done. It simply I, I don't know if I've ever gotten worked up about it, anything like this on the podcast before. <laughs> Fired up. It's the angriest I've ever heard you. <laughs> but I, I swear it is beyond reason for you to say, okay, here's a team. It's a Miami team. And yes, I know Don Garber went on about a regional team and what he said. But if this team is a regional team, then the branding of the team has failed. When people think about Miami MLS, they need to be thinking about Miami. 
and they and they shouldn't be thinking about Miami Gardens playing up at Hard Rock, and mm-hmm. they shouldn't be playing thinking about University Park at FIU. If you're going to do this right, they need to be thinking of downtown Miami. Unless you can put a stadium on the beach, which we know you can't. You put it in the on the beach, or you put it in downtown, and that's it. And Marlins Park is not an acceptable venue for soccer. Matt, 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 real quick. Matt, real quick. Let me ask yes. you a question. What's the worst venue in the MLS? Uh, the, I'll tell you exactly what it is. The, you go ahead, Omar. You tell me. Foxborough. Yeah. I when would you're say. In the Foxborough? Stadium. Yeah. I would say, and then probably you second that, you, the Yankee Stadium. I was going to say Yankee Stadium, but in Country Mile, like no one wants to watch a soccer game in a baseball stadium. This is the sort of stuff that worries me. But I jumped in, Matt. No, sorry, you're, but you're right. That's fine. I would say here would be my only exception, and this is now taking a broadside at Miami FC. But if you were to say, hey, one year, twenty thousand seats, and that's it, you know, like we're 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 like it, get in now, you know, in 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 this contained space. And then go, that's fine. But you're going to play in a 35,000-seat baseball stadium, and it's going to be, ugh. And I've seen football, I've seen soccer, and I've seen American football at Marlins Park. And if you're doing it as like a lark or an exhibition, a bowl game, that's one thing. But an actual league game there for fans and for the purposes of, like, building an identity, it just is crap. Yeah, I agree completely. I was like, Drew, chime in here. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and then Lee, go ahead because I'm going to go ahead and I want to close this off because yeah. I'm going to hold my thoughts to the end here. Okay, yeah. I, I just strongly disagree with the kind of traveling venue idea and especially when MLS is kind of painting this picture and this franchise is painting this picture as kind of the new glitz and glam and it's a very Miami thing. And, you know, if you're going to have a new stadium and it's going to be decked out, state of the art, you want to launch your team in it. Like, you don't want to. You don't want to have a soft launch. This is like a hundred fifty, hundred seventy-five million dollar franchise. You don't need a soft launch in a year. You know, it's not. It's not a taco shop. You don't need to invite your friends and family, see how it goes, and then you know, launch it open to the public. Because that's that's how I think of it. Like, there's then a gazillion logistical issues with season tickets, where you're going to sit, capping tickets, ticket pricing, parking, and let's say. You know, you play at X Stadium, and these people, the stadium facilities are crappy, and they have a bad time. Now, the question is, does that prevent them, or does that kind of discourage them from going to the new site the following year when they finally open in the new stadium? And to to me, it just seems crazy. Like, yes, I think Lee mentioned it earlier, Matt, we waited X, you know, everybody waited X amount of years for this franchise to come, and I I just don't see any positives to playing a year early. Yes, you're going to please the diehard fans, but for the general public and to fill that place, you want to play in your home stadium. You're building your own soccer-specific specific stadium. Make it home. Play there. Take the extra year. I, that's my rant. Yeah, that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly what I said. I think th- th- this whole thing has been very carefully choreographed. You know, That whole thing on Monday was very, very carefully choreographed. You know, and even as Matt said, this whole thing about, oh, you know, we were a, 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 a breakfast with David Beckham away from canning this whole thing. I don't think I believe that's true. Like, maybe I'm getting cynical in my old, old age. But, you know, it's... And I, I think someone rushed this question at him. When are you going to start to play? Oh, we want to start playing in 2020. And I think maybe people are connecting the dots. But I think... I honestly think good luck to it. Like, if people want to go and watch this team and... 
you know, the stadium or whatever is going to be a great thing for Miami. Get the stadium built, and like Drew just said, move in there day one. Start playing soccer in this beautiful Soccer Pacific Stadium with a little viewer downtown from day one. Otherwise, you ain't doing it right. All right. I've been here literally shaking my head behind my monitor and my microphone for about the last <laughs> six, seven minutes. Wrong, wrong, wrong. All three of you, wrong. All right? First of all, yes, the venue tour, the logistics of it is what scares me. It doesn't seem possible. You cannot play games in multiple venues and offer season ticket packages unless you're going to do a situation. Let's say MLS has 20 home games. You play at four venues. You're going to play five games at every venue and then sell essentially different plans for different venues a that's the only way to work around the logistics now b moving the team around the city of miami listen at first okay doesn't sound great sounds kind of weird it sounds like essentially you're a wanderers team and you don't have a place to go or you're a rovers team and you don't have a place to go which essentially is the case here uh as if the stadium isn't built on time now with regards to FAU, Matt, I'm not opposed to at least playing one game at FAU, and let me explain why. All right? A huge chunk of, for example, Miami Heat's NBA season ticket holder fan base comes from Palm Beach County. It comes from Southern Palm Beach County in Boca Raton, where FAU is located. You're going to have a lot of people coming and having ticket plans from Broward. It does not it does not hurt trying to tap into those markets to maximize your ticket revenue with regards to the team. Is it going to be weird? Yeah, it's going to be weird. Why is there a Miami team playing in Boca Raton? I totally get it. I'm not I'm not saying it's not a weird thought process, but I'm not going to sit here and write off uh, why they're doing it. With regards to the available stadiums left, okay, well, you've got Marlins Park. Most of us know Marlins Park is not an appropriate place for soccer. It just doesn't work. The sight lines aren't great. The seating structure doesn't work out very well. Ricardo Silva Stadium, I think over Ricardo Silva's dead body would Miami MLS uh, be allowed to play at that stadium. So what do you have left? You've got Miami Gardens and you've got Hard Rock Stadium. Look, let's calm down on how far Miami Gardens actually is because there's a reason why that place gets packed between Miami-Dade County and Broward County. There's a reason why Marlins' attendance was higher on the county line than it is currently at Marlins Park at the old Orange Bowl, at the old Orange Bowl site. Okay? It's not the worst thing in the world to play 10, 15, or even your entire first season at Marlins Park because it's a beautiful stadium. At Hard Rock. It's been completely... Hard Rock, sorry. It's been a beautiful stadium. It's been completely renovated. Uh, when we went to the game against PSG versus Juventus, we all thought it was marvelous in the way that everything was done. And we were sitting club level corner so we were not even necessarily within the action in and of itself all right and you don't really have much else left in broward county with the exception of you know the cricket grounds which please god no um and you may have some other regional stadiums that i can't think of off the top of my head you know you're not going to play mls in a tropical park style stadium so you don't really have many places to go it's pretty much even though i think marcelo clare means well with regards to having the touring team it doesn't work because the only stadiums you really have at your disposal are Marlins Park, Hard Rock Stadium, the Cricket Grounds, again, please God, no, and then you have FAU Stadium at Boca Raton. So, you know what? I understand it sounds weird, and I get it. It is weird. But if they sell ticket plans with regards to we're going to play 10 games at Hard Rock, 5 games at Marlins Park, and 5 games uh, at Boca Raton, I'm not going to be crazy about it. And you know what? With you guys saying that this team should start in 2020, I, I can't disagree with you more. This team has been in the work since, what, 2014 and even before then? This team should be starting in 2019. You look at what LAFC did, and they got a roster off the ground in less than a year. 
So don't tell me that Beckham and his team, and with that funding, that they can't get a team off the ground in 2019. Because that's when this team should start. Why are you going to sit here and announce something January of 2018 and then say, guess what? We're not going to play a 2018 season, and we're not playing the 2019 season, but we'll be back in 2020. It's going to be. It's not about it being irrelevant. It's about how much longer are you going to make the citizens and the people wait for this club to start playing games. And it doesn't make sense. The longer the wait, the longer the dismay is going to be. And going into the next segment, which we're going to talk about later on in the show, is how much longer are you going to wait for people to come into the club? And what's going to happen to the names that have been linked to the club? I I want to say, though, because I do want to admit, I don't want to be misunderstood at what I'm saying. If Miami MLS were to come out tomorrow and say, hey, we're going to start in 2019, we're going to play at Hard Rock for two years, and then move into our stadium, fine. I'm not opposed to that at all. I've said before, I think the best strategy is to put stadium downtown. But I don't think it's a bad idea at all to just play at Hard Rock. I think it's a fine venue. My problem is, you know, you know, the musical chairs of chasing the team around. I don't think that's a good idea. And I especially don't think it's good for this team to go into Broward or Palm Beach. When you look at the teams that have had attendance success in their histories, it's the teams that have stayed in Miami-Dade County. Um, you know, the Marlins, they started off in, you know, Dade-Broward line, and 20 years later they decided to move downtown. The Dolphins, where do they have their greatest attendance success? Downtown, where they started. The Heat, where they had attendance success? Downtown, where they started and where they've stayed. The teams that have struggled, the Panthers and the Marlins, they started away from that center. The Marlins eventually got downtown, but it took years, and it will probably take years for them to repair the damage they've already done. And the Panthers are, are in Broward, and that appears to not be a great source of success for them. I, what I'm saying is that the people that yeah, the people that bang on about, oh, you've got to cater to Broward, you've got to cater to Palm Beach, you know what you got to do? Build a good team. And if you build a good team, people will come from Palm Beach to downtown Miami to watch Heat games. They have the season tickets. The the Heat don't play any games at FIU's uh, FA, FIU FAU's arena. They have preseason camp there, and they engage in the community there. But they don't pander to them by bringing the product to them. It, it's a Miami I team. I agree with you. I'm not I'm not dis- I'm not discrediting what you're saying. What I'm trying to tell you is, if you play one game there, and you're already committing to the concept of the fact that you're gonna move around. Whoa, jeez, you're gonna move around. <laughs> Uh, the cat <laughs> Yes, apparently so. I have two, and they just the totally team. kick the crap out of each other. <laughs> You're going to move the team around anyway because that's your intent. And again, it's all speculation because we have no idea whether or not it's going to happen. This could have been an off-the-cuff statement. And essentially, he's like, yeah, we're going to move around until we find a permanent home. And then when we find that permanent home, we're going to play there. Um, you know, the permanent temporary home, I should say. Uh, so, you know, we, we could be making a lot of nothing. But playing one game at FAU or playing a set of five games at FAU, you know, the people from Miami, they're going to drive up anyway. And so, to me, it, it's no harm, no foul because it's going to be that honeymoon phase. If you're telling me we do this in year 10, year 15, you know, year 5, I'd say you're, you're a little crazy. Don't take games away from your established home but there is no established home it's not going to be ready in time and you know waiting until 2020 to start the club or to start the franchise or to start the team is even more ridiculous to me i don't disagree with you there i would be the sooner the better and again if that means a temporary home for one or two years i'm fine with it i just want it to be established and it needs to be in miami miami county if you want to play like a big friendly if you can arrange that and you want to put that at fau stadium 
then that's a great idea. I think that's the way. Or open cup. You, or you play your open cup. You play a couple open cup games out there. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. But you're just muddying the waters. As as Lee mentioned before, the way this team succeeds is not by connecting to people like us who already know the sport and understand how it works. It's by connecting to the audience that hasn't been serviced yet. And the last thing you need to do is just confuse them about where the hell to show up on game day. Fair enough. So I just have to just just to add real quick. I just think you either do it right or you don't do it at all. There is no current venue that is appropriate for MLS Miami. Hard Rock Stadium is never an appropriate venue for this team. Where's the standing section going to be? Orlando have their wall, that bit behind the goal, the Portland Timbers. Like, there will be no atmosphere in that stadium. and You'd just be getting it off on the wrong foot. Wait, do it right. And I agree with Matt. You need to start these things where you want them to carry on. Not up the road in Miami Gardens in that soulless, like, new build piece of shit. <laughs> build a banging new soccer-specific stadium downtown. Get people into it day one, and it'll work. All right, so let's go ahead and, and move on now. Yeah, my uh, cats we're... are really pissed off about this subject, so... <laughs> yeah, we're going to leave it alone so we don't uh, harm Drew's cats any further. There were no uh, animals harmed in the recording of this podcast. Who thought that um, the most controversial and, like, thing that would get us most riled up would be stadium talk? Who had... Right, yeah. <laughs> Wait until we get onto the team name. That's the team Did name now. That yeah. Oh, yeah, team name. Here we go. Franchise FC. Here we go, so... Moving on in here to the next segment of the show, um, we're going to release uh, an informal Twitter poll on Thursday asking you what you believe the club's name should be. And we're going to have that open for about 24 hours, and we want, you know, we want the public to vote. Uh, you know, the ownership group has already stated that they would like the public's opinion, so we want to give them a head start. And we're going to make sure to tag them in it so they see what's going on. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and ask what the team name should be, and then we're going to go ahead and, and you know, I want to go around the room here and then... Talk about team name and then what the color, what the color scheme should be uh, for this Miami uh, MLS club. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and give it over to Lee. Lee, what should the team name be? What, what's something that's appropriate for Miami here? Um, and, and please, God, no, no Reals or Atleticos or Deportivos. <laughs> well, I guess if they're going to take it around the, the three counties, maybe Miami Wanderers is appropriate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I mean, if, it's, if it really is going to come down to a, a, like a fan vote, um, I, I would like to see something maybe a bit different with a bit of local identity. And off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything. I wouldn't want to see into Miami, Atletico Miami, or something like that. It just doesn't really mean anything, does it? Um, I don't know. Come back to me in 30 seconds and I'll have a think. Drew, you're up. Yeah, I think we said this on the last pod with me and you, but uh, I, I was a big fan of the Miami Vice and kind of the hacky uh, teal pink and out there colors. Just team names here, just team names. Leave the colors okay, well, I'll, I'll just say Miami Vice, when I heard that one, it's it's my favorite. I don't know what kind of royalties they would have to pay for that. Um, you know, I think I even said Flamingos, not Flamingos, psh, forget that, uh, Surf, something... Something cheesy, you know, and but it works for Miami. I I also agree. I don't I don't like any of the typical names for our uh, NASL side. I was kind of upset with Miami FC. You know, it's basic. It's like two uh, cheese slices of pizza. But <laughs> <laughs> guys, I've got a name. Guys, I've got the name. I've got I've got the name for you right now. All right. So previously we had the Miami Fusion, and it was like the only one thing. And now 
this whole thing is going to divide the whole soccer community. It's dividing us on the podcast, so let's call it the Miami Fission. Wow. <laughs> wow. Take your wow. ass back to CERN, Lee. Get that science stuff out of here. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> that, All right, Matt. Yeah, you're you're up. Up. What do okay. you got? So I want to say a couple things. First off, I was a heavy advocate of Miami Vice, as we've mentioned before. Secondly, I don't hate Drew's suggestion that he waved off the Miami Flamingos for two reasons. One of the first professional sporting teams in Miami was the Miami Flamingos uh, baseball team on Miami Beach. Uh, really? Yes. Is that true? Yeah, they, they played Flamingo Park on the beach is actually where they played. Love it. Um, so there would be a neat kind of historical tie there, and I'm such a history nerd. That would be great. You could also just call them the Goes for short, which I like. Um, kind of like creates a vision of like a team getting up and going. Um, however, I think this is a name that has really not been mentioned much, and... I don't know why, because I feel like I'm going crazy for having not heard it before. Maybe I, maybe people have heard it, but they're all there's all this talk about like oh you know city and then year they're founded. You know, I heard someone mention Miami 1896 or whatever. Yeah, that was me on the last podcast. Right. That I like that. That's good. This is better. The Miami 305. No, well, <laughs> no, God no. no. Why that's not? not? That's how people shoot that one down. People have yeah. Too many people have seven eight six phone numbers. Well, my, my only beef with the mean? flamingos too is that united uses them as a mascot the, the 305 it's simple it's clean it's clear people know what you're talking about like it to me it's it seems like it, it, it's it's all the stuff that comes with miami vice minus you don't have to pay the royalties and like you're automatically connecting yourself into this thing that like everyone in the city already knows and identifies with all right well, I mean, I, I get your point, but at the same time, it, it would be super... I don't know. I feel like it'd be weird. If they called it, like, 305 FC, I, I think I'd be more on board. That's a little better. 305 sure. together. 305 yeah, it's, FC. It's a, little, it's a little much. It's a little much. Um, <laughs> 305. I can just see uh, ESPN and, and Fox Sports having a field day trying to, you know, slim that down for the little <laughs> scoreboard on top of the screen. But you know what? It, I'm, as Drew said, I'm a big proponent of 80s... Miami culture. I'm a big fan of 80s Miami music. I'm a big fan of, you know, the Art Deco style. Um, I would love to see a Miami Vice, Vice City. Um, you know, even if it's got to be, you know, something else that has the term Vice in it. I, I absolutely would love to see. Uh, if all else fails, my vote goes steadily for the Miami Mangoes. Uh, I would like to see the Miami Mangoes take the field in MLS. Uh, and, and I believe that is the best name because ain't nobody in the city of Miami hates mangoes. And if you do, you're probably not from here or you're just a derelict. So you're, you're going to name them after a fruit? That's what you're going for? Like, I... I, I... I mean, I mean, here I mean, come the we, mangoes. Yeah, that's going to terrify Well, I, I mean, Bournemouth is going to get mangoes. Bournemouth is going to get mangoes. Here come the mangoes, and Jackie Moon is going to fight a bear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got the Bournemouth cherries, right? They've been in the Premier League for how long now? Yeah, but. The, well, they're not called the Bournemouth, they're called AFC Bournemouth. Yeah, they, yeah but they call the themselves the cherries, right? Yeah. So why can't it just be. You know, mango. Here come the mangoes. <laughs> and for so many reasons, Omar, it cannot be the mangoes. But I, I love how innocent a name that is. But I think your idea of Miami, eighteen ninety six, whatever it was, was a lot better than the Miami mangoes. Run with that one, mate. Oh, I'm just picturing yeah. a terrible mascot. And... Yeah, it's, it's, so just they'll get Ovi out there. No, they'll get Ovi, take the crown off, and call him a mango. <laughs> That's what'll happen. 
Can you imagine the fans throwing mangoes on the field? You know, it's going to be a nightmare. Who's going to clean the mangoes up? It's like the rats at the BB&T centre. Send the mango guy out. We'll have a five-minute stoppage for listen, mangoes. The Americans whichever mangoes, that. Listen, I will gladly sign up for that job because whichever mangoes don't break, I'll gladly take home and eat myself. <laughs> Man. All right. I'm, I'm all for I'm all for the, the, the mango train. Well, you see, you can even call it the mango train. You take all the metro rail. No, screw the metro. We'll call it the mango rail. No, right? because <laughs> then, then it gets too close to mango train, and then you've got all kinds of political nonsense to deal with. It's, it's... All right, moving on. <laughs> Let's corral this one back in. I hope all you right, listen so... to this podcast tomorrow and just hear yourself say mangoes over and over oh, again. Miami like... mangoes. <laughs> all right, so moving on to team Welcome colors. to the mango uh, cast. Orange! Welcome. Orange! <laughs> Orange! Orange mango and unripened city. mango. Mango like city. A little purple, mango green city tint. soccer. <laughs> All right, we're rebranding tomorrow soccer. when this podcast. I, I oh, was man. genius. Actually, we, we, we were taking the piss out of him. He's genius. Mangoes, it just works on so many levels. Uh, mango city soccer. Oh, man, that's so great. That's so great. Oh, God, I'm going to start crying over here. All right, team colors, guys. Um, if I'm going for the mangoes appeal, yes, I'm going to pick the bright orange and the green. Uh, if I'm going to go for the Vice City, I would love to see... Uh, actually, I would love to see a collaboration. Something I speculated on yesterday when I was trying to speculate on colors, thinking that Miami SC would actually... Not Miami SC, sorry. MLS Miami would announce jersey colors. I was trying to jump the gun, and, and shame on me for doing that. But uh, I think there's a twofold here with this team, and I think it'd be an awesome approach. And I'm going to trademark this because if uh, they want to take it, I'm going to get the royalty money for it. But I think there should be a black and white kit. Uh, as in tuxedos for the formal Miami Knights, but I also think that there should be a uh, pink and teal or pink and blue kind of jersey kit uh, and have that be that Vice City-esque, very similar to what the Miami Heat uh, currently have rolled out. Drew, where are you at? I, I just can't talk after that whole mango talk. Uh, I love you know, during the announcement, everything was in black and white, and I kind of thought maybe there would be some kind of kit uh, kit reveal or something, and then they also, uh, you know, it was obviously, obviously just stage uplighting, but they had a bunch of purples and stuff. That I was really hoping we would get something, but it didn't happen. The black and white I'm kind of iffy on. I mean, I'm a, I was a New Jersey Nets fan, and when they moved to Brooklyn, they did the black and white thing. It looked pretty cool, but... Um, also, I think L.A. is black and gold for their new team, so it kind of looks like the same motif or kind of same uh, image they're putting out with the simplistic colors. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of want them to be the mangoes now and just have like a multicolored mango jersey, so I'm sold on that, Omar. Everybody looks better in orange okay. and green. Um, I would, I, I would say, I think you really have to. I, I, I will. All right, I will put a conspiracy theory out into the world. Um, I think, I really believe that this team wants to go in that direction of that neon color, that pink, that blue, those gels you saw on the stage. And I'm willing to bet. And we talked about this before, but the the the, the event uh, this week really kind of harden it for me i'm i'm willing to bet that they had the ideas for the colors in mind and then the heat released this this vice look and i think it stepped on their toes and kind of you know it kind of blew it for them uh i I, i'm not saying i again i'm not saying that with any authority but i'm willing to bet there's at least like a 20 percent chance something like that has got involved and really messed up the color scenario. Not to mention the fact that they said two months ago they were out. And so, you know, putting all that together in two months is 
is impossible, but it, it would seem to be the, the natural choice. Neon pink, neon blue, black and white, call it a day. And if you want to have that kind of tuxedo kit, then that's fine too. But yeah, the primary colors have to be neon. And I do think they're going to want to steer away from orange and green. I would love it if they went orange and green because it would save me a lot of money on like hats and shirts and whatnot being a UM fan. But um, I, I really think they got to go in a neon direction. Yeah, I, I, I like, I like green. I'm, I'm, I'm old school, so I don't like black on my kits. Referees should wear black. Maybe keepers don't like black on a kit. Um, but just looking at the flag of Miami, the orange thing has kind of been done. I like, I like white and green. But like, like Matt says, like a rave green, like yeah. a neon green. Hoops, like Celtic or Panathinaikos. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I never thought Different, about that. But then you think about it and you think, oh, that would look good, and that would look good on the kit, and that's kind of Miami, like, but like a real bright like rave green my other question is is adidas capable of making any of these kits <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you look at the adidas flag shots. Of miami, if you look at the flag of miami it, it is very very similar in color in color palette to the irish flag it's got the orange it's got the white and the green and obviously it's got a little bit uh you know it's obviously organized a little differently clearly but you know it's orange white and green and, and you know it's usually really forgotten that that is the flag of the city of miami and if this team is going to be a you know city of miami team you know i should try to embrace one of those colors maybe as an alternate probably not the first year you might see the second year because as you know matt said are you going to really go with the orange white and green like do you really want to do that because you know you would semi-alienate part of your fan base uh i don't wear you know, Miami FC's alternate kit because it looks like a Florida Gator shirt, and I refuse to put that on. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 rough, and yeah, you do you do want to play to that kind of inclusive fan base, and so picking the school colors like that might present a problem. All right, so let's before we go ahead and wrap up the show, um, we do want to give a huge shout out and a huge thank you to Abel Irola. Abel is now the fifth contributor and the fifth wheel. <laughs> fifth wheel he's the fifth wheel of magic city soccer uh he stepped up to the play big time being our foreign correspondent because abel currently lives in guess where spain yes he lives in spain so he was able to uh live tweet and and you know put out press not press releases but put out announcements during uh the mls campaign and he got a huge get that we're going to release this week so stay tuned for part two of this podcast our voices of soccer uh, on the Magic City Soccer Podcast. And yeah, get ready. It's going to be a very, very packed show with a lot of names that you're going to know. So now that that tease is settled and done, uh, let's move on to the last part of the show here. And we're gonna, I want to talk about the first signing. Drew and I kind of uh, went at this conversation a little bit on our last episode. So for those of you who joined us for episode 42, uh, you do know kind of where we're going with this. So I, I do want to open the floor for Matt and Lee first. Um, if there needs to be that pivotal first signing, who, who's it going to be? Because, you know, Beckham stated that he has a lot of people who have called him and said that uh, they want to play for this club and they want to be part of the club. So, you know, who do you think it's going to be? And, and that's a huge speculation, but who would fit best should be the question asked. Uh, Lee, I'll defer to you first. Me. <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, again, you, you sort of, you've got to think a little bit down the line and think who might be available. Uh, he's going to have, he's going to want to put, he's going to want to put someone from one of the big two in Spain 
as his marquee signing, I think. I mean, off the top of my head, who's that going to be? I'm going to throw... How old is Luis Suarez? Ooh, oh, boy. Now old. we're talking. How old is Luis Suarez? I don't think... Yeah. I don't even think Cooking. Suarez is 20. Uh, no, he's too old. He's going to be like 40 by the time this thing happens. Oh, um, perfect age for him. Or 33. Uh, no, be. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is going to be someone like Neymar. Maybe Neymar will have had his fill over there and be on his way back this way. It's going to be someone of that ilk, I think. I think it's going to be someone quite big. Like That's the one thing I'm quite optimistic on. If anyone can put like a real superstar in the MLS, it's David Beckham, I mean, isn't it? Go on, that's then, the whole Neymar. thing. If he can't do that, then, I mean, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? That's kind of what he's supposed to deliver. And as you guys mentioned on the previous podcast, uh, you know, it can't just be get a big star and ride it out. Because as we've seen in Major League Soccer, that's not really the recipe for success. You've got to be able to build your kind of <clears throat> development and, and, and have the long play in mind, especially Orlando with City. the designated player rules. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, I mean, Suarez is 31. If the team's kicking off in 2020, he'd be 33. I mean, he's not young, but he's that's also bad, not old. Yeah, I'll switch back to that. Yeah, I'll switch back to Suarez. I think that's the thing that, like, he's a name. He, did, he wasn't a turncoat at Barca like Neymar was, you know. He doesn't, like, he's not Argentinian or Brazilian, so then people won't stay away because right. oh, the Argentinian or the Brazilian is playing because he's Uruguayan. He's got that angle as well. Yeah, go on then. I'll put my money on Suarez. All right. uh, Come on, man. Yeah, I, I actually think that I mean Suarez is kind of that was inspired. I hadn't even considered that, and really, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I didn't even that, think that's of that. why we bring no. Lee on because he has the outside perspective. We're all going to yeah. miss it. Yeah, because I, I really racked my brain because there's look. Everyone said Cristiano Ronaldo from the beginning of time. That was the play, but I mean, he's the biggest team in Miami. It's not Real. It's it's Barcelona. And are you risking alienating? half of your like potentially loyal customer base by making your first big signing uh railman plus the considerations with the boot sponsorships that may become problematic um yeah i i, I think god i don't even know I, it's it's tough i i i delayed i thought i thought they were going to consider back in the old days i really thought they were going to go for slotan uh but that ship has appeared to sail not only because he's going to be too old by the time the team starts but he's apparently going to LA maybe question mark um I don't know Come I know this is the <laughs> <laughs> oh look it's Lee Suarez yeah. oh my goodness um, he has the answers yeah. no don't bite me don't bite me uh, <laughs> alright I don't know pa- pass, Matt pass do, do we just circle nothing. back to you alright all right, so uh, you it's know, hard. it's hard, yes. isn't it? It's hard. It, it is hard because uh, well, it's, I'm it's not just asked, pure speculation, but, too. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's pure speculation. You know, because this is the thing. I, what I argued with Drew was that my, the Miami market has been fed the big name for so long. It's either been you know Ronaldo or it's been James or it's been you know just another huge name for the market because that's what has been discussed. That's been the rumor mill consistently. So as I mentioned to Drew in the last episode. For example, a player like Giovinco, who may be pound for pound the best MLS player, uh, that is not enough to, you know, to f- cure the appetites for this fan base or this potential fan base. I feel like, and Giovinco, the best player in MLS, the name ID is not big enough, uh, you know, to make people think, oh yeah, we got the the big whale, you know, we got the whale, and and I think unfortunately at this point, 
short of a huge European name, you, you know, you're going to see that, well, wait a second, what happened to Ronaldo? What happened to one of these names? Because I truly feel that even a Kylian Mbappe isn't big enough. I would argue that a Gareth Bale, Lee's countryman, is not even big enough, you know? So it comes down to you need to get one of these top five guys, or, you know, in terms of name ID into the club, and that's not going to be easy. Uh, so, you know, again, at the end of the day, you know, if you said, hey, who's your first signing? You tell me Sebastian Giovinco, I'm in. Don't, I don't care who else we signed. We're good. Like, we're good to go. But at the same time, knowing the rumor mill and the way it's been for the last 10 years, it, it's not going to be enough for certain people. Um, I will, I will take your idea. Um, Omar, I will go with Hamas. I think Hamas is catering to a growing community in Miami, the Colombian community, like Omar. Uh, like, uh, Omar, like uh, Lee identified, it's, he's not Brazilian or Argentinian. Um, although he did break Neymar's back, right? Or, or was that him? He was on that team, that Colombian team that did that. Uh, so, but I think that's actually a pretty reasonable option. I, I think he's too young, though. I, like, just based off MLS and the amount of money they can give out to a player and how it's all going to go down, I think it's going to need to be a dude that's, like, how old is Hamas? Like, isn't he 23 or no, something? No, he's 26. Uh, well, even yeah. then, two years he'll be twenty-eight. Maybe that's the right age. But yeah, I would say the the youngest you're gonna pull some sort of superstar is age twenty-eight, maybe to like thirty-two, thirty-three. The thirty-three you're probably gonna ditch pretty quickly. But yeah, it's 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 just such a weird guess, and it's all speculation. But and, and you know what? Don't be surprised if it's a guy as an example in terms of Concacaf, big name in Concacaf, a Marco Sureña. Marco Zorania, Costa Rican striker, broke, I should say Marco Zorania, sorry, uh, broke the hearts of American fans time and time again with his goal-scoring abilities. You know, Marco Zorania is not going to be a name that people are going to be like, yes, we got. No, it's not going to happen. But it's a guy who's serviceable. It's a guy that you're not going to pay a lot of money to because he's currently still in the MLS. You know, and again, with the designated player role, you can pay these guys unlimited amounts of money, as you saw what Beckham earned during his LA Galaxy years. So there's no cap as to what you pay that person. It's essentially just kind of a free play slot. You know, pay them as much as you want, if I'm not mistaken. Here's another one for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, Uruguayan forward, Edison Cavani, played Ooh. with Bex at PSG. Ooh. Yeah, I think Lee is... Lee's, like, Lee's magical yeah, Lee's right playing, now. This is fun. Lee's playing I, I like all of Lee's suggestions. <laughs> I got nothing for you. Lee's got fire. And off the top of my head, while we're doing this, um, PK is only 30, and defenders can play a bit longer. Yeah, defenders aren't quite the draw that the attacking players are. Yeah, but he's got the name ID for it, though. The what? He's got the name ID. He's got the you know the power you think behind so? the name. Yeah, I, I would I do. agree with you. Yeah, but can he soccer fans? People around here know their soccer. I think PK, you know, he could go on for another five, six, seven years. I'm sure Posh Spice and Shakira would yes. like to hang out in Miami. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you right now, between, because I just received a text from my wife in the other room, we were in the conversation and just texted me with a yes, Hamas, and then three Colombian flags. I think Gerard Piquet would be a fine uh, alternative if Hamas is not the one who gets landed, at least in her eyes. She'll be the first one to sign up for, uh, for season tickets. Well, I hate all of you, and I'm saying Lucas Podolsky. <laughs> hey, well... He's playing in Japan. He's a social media whore. He's lovable. Let's get Podolsky. We'll get some of those Legion Warsaw fans, right? He's, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 
No, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and that I kind of like how Atlanta United, in contrast to Orlando, kind of Atlanta went for the the younger eighteen year old uh, South American talent, and they you know kind of developed Smiley, and now everybody in the world seems to be targeting him, and Atlanta could be kind of the next launch pad for uh, South American players to go uh, to Europe through MLS, which is something this team needs to target. But I like the route that they took where they didn't really get any insane like player. Like I think Orlando kind of blew it with Kaká and and Atlanta seemed to do it right. So there there's two ways of going about it. I mean you could also go the middle ground, grab the big player, but and some of the younger talents, but Atlanta seems to be on fire with their signings right now and whatever they got going on there is it's going on good. Yeah, I definitely think uh, you guys were referring to it on the podcast um, last time, like kind of the choice between the big name and developing the youth system um, and like kind of signing the young up-and-coming South American and Central American players. Um, I, the thing that popped into my mind as you were talking about that is the gif of the girl from the, I think it was the uh, old El Paso commercial. Uh, why can't we have both? Um, oh, por, por que no los dos? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, why can't you have both? I think, I think that to get things started, you get the big name again, people have been freaking banging their head against the wall for the big name, uh, get them in, get, you know, lure them in with the little catnip of the big star. And then as you start to actually build this thing, I mean, honest to God, there is so much in, I forget who mentioned it on Twitter today I saw, but if, if you can just form some kind of competent youth academy down here like just not stupid like if you just do it not in a not stupid way you ought to be able to find enough talent between miami-dade brown and palm beach counties and reaching into central uh, in south america where you ought to be able to really become uh, a launching pad uh for for careers you know like who doesn't want to come to miami and that's basically been the whole argument for this team forever and we've been talking about it in terms of the kind of uh the old player coming back, but if you're a, if you're a young player and you're in you're maybe not Barcelona's speed, but you're that mid level talent, do you want to go to Ajax or do you want to go to Miami? You know, do you want to go to PSV Eindhoven? Do you want to go to Miami? Um, well, you know, why you hate on the Dutch league so much, man? Sorry, I know I'm, I'm picking. Well, no, <laughs> here's why because I, I read an article recently about how the changing dynamics of like European soccer are really hammering the Dutch league specifically. So. My apologies if you're a fan of the Dutch leagues there, uh, which I, I think Lee is, right? You you have a connection to the Dutch. So. Oh, I used, I used to live there, but you know me, I'm more into the lower leagues. So I, you know, I think it's a fair comment, Matt. I'll so let that one slide. If, if we're Thank you very for much. People who, if we're looking for people who have had connections to Beckham and where he's played, especially at the latter parts of his career, there's one name that seems to pop off the page here. Anyone want to take a guess? Who oh, he's played? Latter stages. No, I, I, I don't even want to guess. I mean, yeah. I don't even know where I'd start. <laughs> <laughs> Alessandro Nesta. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm joking. In terms of uh, Italian countrymen, no, Marco Verratti, a guy who played with, uh, you know, with play with Beckham at PSG, would be another prime candidate. A solid midfielder who would be somebody you could build around, especially at the MLS level. Um, and he's 25 years old, and he, you know, he's still yes at PSG, if I'm not mistaken, but. That would be a guy who, you know, could possibly make a move um, and try to see a bigger payday. 
Yeah. But not enough. You see, not not a big enough name to incite a reaction. Therefore, not a big enough name. For <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. I I heard the name Alessandro Nesta and I immediately fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, we we I haven't did, had Lee on since the uh, since the announcement. Um, I, I'm very very pleased with Paul Dalglish. I, I think it's uh, possibly a step in the right direction. There, I said it. I don't disagree with you. I'll I'll have my say on it. Uh, first time on the podcast. Uh, I know I'm a fanboy, Liverpool fan. Um, but while there are mixed reviews from certain parts of the country uh, and other countries see Ottawa, um, I think having an actual experienced manager with the resources that Miami FC has or presumably will have, hopefully knock on wood, um, I, I think that there can be definitive growth there in terms of the team as long as the team continues to be. Hey, this team will always be. Yes. Miami FC will never die. This is true. Cut that out, man. I know. I'm just so, I'm just saying. All right. So before we bring this in for our landing, is there anything that we have missed? Yeah. I just, sorry. I just want to touch really quickly on the academy thing. You, you're right to bring that up, Matt. And that was one of the huge positives that I took from that whole presentation. When Beckham finally got on the mic, and you know he's not the best public speaker, but I, for me, I contrasted the passion that he spoke with the academy about with that like whole forced fake enthusiasm from the mass people. It's like you can really believe that he wants to build a legacy here. He's thinking long term. He knows that bringing the players through and everything is a vital part of what he wants to do here. And I really, really respect that. I think, you, you know, a, a good academy, identify kids in Miami, like get them in without any pay to play, like Matt said trawl through um, Central and South America, hoover up all the best talent and develop it and put it in that team. I think that's a huge plus. I mean, I've got to say, like, not even Miami FC can do that. You know, at the level we're at, Division 2, we have to operate in a different way. I'm really, really excited to see what Beckham can do with developing an actual grassroots soccer culture. I think that's one positive about this MLS team. Yeah, I'll just say... <laughs> I'll say my piece with wrapping it up. Uh, I'm tired about talking about soccer, and I want to watch some. So uh, I will just say, Kendall Soccer Park, Saturday, 8.30 p.m., Miami United is going to play FC Kendall in a preseason friendly. So, hey, there um, we go. Yeah, I know. I, this this whole like past three months, I've just been talking and speculating like soccer, and I'm just like, damn, I just, I just want to watch a game somewhere. So... Um, I think I'll probably end up going to that. So if anybody wants to join me or Magic City Soccer, or come support uh, FC Kendall or uh, Miami United. It's at Kendall Soccer Park at eight thirty. Well, that sounds like uh, that sounds like something. I, I'm 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 thank you something, for pointing yeah. that out. Yeah, no, but like lawn chairs and a six pack, baby. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, yeah, and and who knows who will wind up rolling through the uh, the Kendall Soccer Park. Um, so let's, uh, again, I, as was mentioned before, let's bring this in for a landing, uh, and let's say a couple of things. First off, uh, magiccity.soccer, your home for really, as we've said before, everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Uh, we are, uh, hitting the ground running in 2018, uh, happy to break some news about, uh, the NPSL and, and happy for acknowledgement from some people about our, uh, our scoop, including the cup.us who do a great job covering the open cup. And uh, Bob Williams, who I believe is with still the Guardian, um, but that was very nice. No, um, we we hope to have more stuff coming. Um, 
our Twitters. Uh, Lee, uh, your Twitter situation, as I, I saw that there was there might be a change there. Where can people follow you if they're interested? Yeah, no, I'm on Twitter. I'm trying to get into it a little bit more. Lee underscore I-F-A-N-S events at uh, that's it. It's, there's no at afterwards. That's, that shows how much <laughs> I know about Twitter. Lee underscore events. So that's where you can find the man there. Uh, Omar? Yep, you can find me over at Mubayad11. That's M-O-U-B as in boy, A-Y-E-D 11. Uh, Drew, you have the always easy to remember It's Houseman LOL, uh, which for some reason is one I always remember. I don't know why. I know, it's so good. Uh, there's no E in house and man, though, so that's a tricky part. Yeah, house. Houseman. 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 Um, Houseman. I'm at... House. <laughs> you can find me at Matthew S. Bunch, Matthew with two T's, letter S, Bunch, like a bunch of grapes. Um, and you can find all of our information on social media, basically at Magic City Soccer. That's it. Twitter, Facebook, whatever you'd like. Uh, Go and read the stuff on magiccity.soccer because all the stuff that he's got to do is really good. Read it and then go and read it again and then share it with people. Luckily, we had our uh, the, the MLS announcement combined with the information about uh, the NPSL led us to our biggest day of traffic this week, uh, which was very exciting. We kind of shattered the old record. So we're, we're going to keep on trying to shatter that record and bring more people in. Hopefully, there'll be a lot more people interested in soccer around these parts coming up, and, and we hope to, be, to cater to them. And those of you that always listen to us, we thank you for being with us from the jump. Um, so until next time, uh, he's been Lee. He's been Omar. He's been Drew. Just so you know, I went right to left in my uh, living room as I did that to identify you guys. Lee, you're on my right. Drew, you're on my left. Omar, straight ahead. Um, I've been Matthew Bunch. Uh, Look into my eyes. <laughs> and on that note, uh, go Miami FC and go Miami soccer. This has been Three White Men and a More. <laughs> Blood, fun. <laughs>